Welcome to the Unboxing Your Packaging podcast, where we pop packaging out of the box thanks to the shared experience of inspiring businesses and experts. I am Colleen Regou from Look for Loops. My passion is to optimize the use of resources and designing out waste. This show aims to help you redesign, reuse, and recover your packaging. Have you ever thought that at the end of life, we are not recycling packaging? We are recycling materials. As a result, have you ever wondered what is the best disposable packaging material? Is it glass, aluminum, cardboard, plastic, or even bioplastic? If you're working in the packaging industry, you may know that's quite an impossible question to answer. But still, there's such a growing pressure to switch from the existing solutions to greener alternatives. So, you, me, any average Joe or packaging pro have to rely on ecological marketing claims. The thing is, some of these claims are inaccurate, misleading or false. Don't worry, I partnered with the experts, Mr. and Mrs. Recycling known as Monsieur et Madame Recyclage in French, to guide you in the packaging wild waste and its green rush. How? With a series of audio clips broadcasted in this podcast. Are you ready, Liz and Enzo? Yes. Let's do it. In the two previous wild waste audio clips, we reviewed plastics and bioplastics arguments. And a big question that comes back all the time with those subjects is how to reduce our dependency on oil while avoiding alternative solutions with other negative effects. And sometimes that quest leads to some disputable blend. Now, have you already heard about the term mass balance? Are you familiar with it? At first glance, mass balance looks quite complicated and it is very difficult to estimate if it is ecological or not. So stick with us because in today's episode, we will deep dive into what mass balance means and induces. Let's start with how regular plastic is made. A petrochem plant turns oil or gas into high-value chemicals by breaking down the molecules. These high-value chemicals are the building blocks of polymer, the scientific name for plastic. The scale of production is an advantage. We end up with cheap commodity plastic. However, oil and gas, well, are not renewable. So the idea is to incorporate compatible chemical building blocks, but from other sources than oil and gas. Mass balance is what we call a chain of custody approach that allows a mix of different chemical building blocks to enter the same reactor to create a specific plastic. Could you give us a quick example? Let's say that I want to create a HDPE, high-density polyethylene. How is mass balance working for me? 
You need ethylene first, your high-value chemical. Let's say you introduce 20% of some ethylene made by refining sugarcane juice, a renewable resource, and 80% of ethylene derived from shale gas, a fossil fuel to produce your polyethylene. In the mass balance system, you will sell 20% of this polyethylene like if it was 100% from sugarcane, and the rest as if it was 100% from gas. In reality, it's a 20-80 mix in both shares. To simplify, you can buy the plant-based plastic. That doesn't mean it's going to be the plastic you have in your product. It can sound weird, but it's a question of equipment and factory already existing. This reminds me the gas station. But here, you buy a share of the mix. Like if it has never been mixed. What's the point? Generally, the green part, the one that pretends to be 100% from sugarcane, is sold at a higher price. Two reasons for that. The most obvious, the demand is higher than the actual market capacity. Secondly, the scale of production of the green chemical building block makes it more expensive. Yet, it would be even more expensive if a standalone plastic production unit would have to be built just to turn the green ethylene into green polyethylene. Okay, so mass balance still makes sense to keep costs of production under an acceptable value. I guess that's the reason why PLA, a bioplastic, is more expensive than the mass balance green PE we are talking about here. Right. The ability to mix similar material of different origins inside the same petrochem facility makes possible to deliver green share at a competitive price. That's mass balance. You don't rebuild the old chemical plant because you try to switch from fossil fuel to renewable material. Step by step, you adjust the green share as the market keeps requesting more green products without heavy investment. Well... I understand the concept of walking partially away from fossil materials, but I am not comfortable with the green or planet-friendly designation on sellers' videos. I will be tempted to put those terms in double quotations mark here. For example, shouldn't we be super careful about food crops competition? Well, this is a sulfurous debate to address, and we won't explore the whole parameters here today. But basically, if you consider that two-thirds of cultivated fields are there to nourish livestock, and if you really want to reduce greenhouse gases, then you have to consider decreasing your meat consumption. That will have a real impact by reducing the kettles, and that will free some fields for some other usage, like sugarcane for bioplastic. I see. That's mass balance for bio-based materials. But I have also seen the term mass balance used for recycling. Can you explain that as well? The way mass balance works for renewable materials is also interesting for waste. You take a mix of soft PE, aka flexible film from post-consumer packaging, and send it to an advanced recycling facility to pyrolyze the plastic back to oil and eliminate inks and food leftovers. Then you send that oil into a refining petrochem plant along with the traditional oil to create ethylene. So 
a share from waste and a share from classic oil. You can later purchase the share pretending to be 100% recycled PE. That way, you access to food-grade recycled plastics that would otherwise not be able to be back to food-grade applications. Wow. It means that you can write on your food grade packaging that it is 100% made by recycled PE, knowing for a fact that if it was true, it wouldn't be food compatible. This sounds a bit crazy to me. And that's without even talking about the potential health issues we have briefly approached in the Wild Waste audio clip about plastics in general. But despite the food grade questions, can we expect that at some point we will have 100% green plastic or 100% recycled plastic that way? This is where the problem starts. Keep in mind, the certification that validates entry share is delivered by the ISCC, an organization regrouping the big names of the chemical industry. Companies deeply tied to the oil and gas extraction, with current investment made to be profitable. Full switch is not to be expected. Also, if there are a too big demand for green or recycling share, the difference of price between the pseudo-green of recycling share and the classic one can increase and thus tempt companies to lie on the bookkeeping. You sell 30% of your production as green, where you only use 20% green feedstock. I see. Transparency is not the biggest strength of mass balance, to say the least. And the idea of a progressive shift towards real 100% raw fossil-free plastics is more a naive dream or a pitfall. But let's say that it could happen one day. Is it completely desirable in terms of positive impacts? For plastic packaging, the step involving the biggest CO2 emissions resulting in climate change is the vapor cracking of refined oil into high-value chemicals like ethylene. If your mass balance scheme involves that step, unlike our green PE example at the beginning, for which you may use renewable or waste resources, you still damage the environment. With pine oil, cooking oil, pyrolyzed waste, you can switch the raw material, but not so much of the CO2 emitted. A brand replacing 30% of its packaging by a renewable or recycled chair may think the job is done, but would have actually contribute to one-tenth of the real job to do. Remember that reusable packaging quickly have a lower impact than disposable packaging. A PET bottle, even with 15% of bio-PET and 25% of recycled PET, stay worse than a reusable glass bottle correctly reused. If I summarize in a nutshell, the main interest in mass balance is mainly related to the reduction of raw fossil material extraction, while keeping a relatively cheap price for plastic. And the inconvenience of mass balance is that you don't have the choice and even the access to information about the ratio you finally get for your packaging. Another vicious effect is to use mass balance as an excuse to continue business as usual and never reconsider to reduce the production. To conclude, 
could you share some examples of those who have made mass balance almost as their trademark? Yeah, check packaging producer SIG CombiBlock providing a bio PE liner for its beverage cardboard using mass balance. You can also check the Finnish refining company Nest providing propane from bio waste turned by Borealis into polypropylene using mass balance approach again. Great. I will put that in the show notes. It never hurts to see what exists out there. Thank you for pushing mass balance further, Mr. and Mrs. Recycling. Welcome. See you for the next Wild West audio clip. I hope you have enjoyed this episode. And if it's the case, be sure to subscribe where you get your podcasts and leave us a five stars review to help for its visibility. You also probably have at least two or three friends or colleagues to share this episode with. Of course, feel free to get in touch by the lookforloops.com website or drop me a line on Colleen Regu LinkedIn profile. Last but not least, be sure to check the show notes with the links and resources. Until next time.